Being a working parent means that I am always rushing to make sure things are done. You know what helps? The OFS concierge services. If I know my husband will be on a trip, I'll order dinner ahead of time and just take it straight from the OFS fridge when I go home with my child. One less thing to worry about. Or when I'm about to host a party at my house, I'll use Housekeeping Delphine to clean my house before or sometimes after the party. The best part is part of their fees go back to my child's teacher who deserves so much. I love that I am getting a service and also giving back to her. Check out the OFS website at www.oldfirehouseschool.com to find out more about the concierge services, which include school lunches, nanny services, and a family photographer. And welcome to Fireside Chats on the Young Mind, brought to you by Old Firehouse School. I'm Dorothy Stewart, the Executive Director and Founder, and I'm here today with my Lafayette Director, Alex Dutton, as well as two special guests, Annette and Dan McCormick, who are parents here in our Lafayette campus. Today, we're going to discuss something that has been on our minds for a while here, particularly in California, and that's emergency situations. For the last three years, we've had a difficult time in California, what with wildfires becoming the norm around October, thanks to global warming. So from power outages to evacuations, it's something that's really been on our mind and kept us on edge, particularly because we're in charge of young children. So that puts another layer on it entirely. So how can we make sure that we are keeping children physically safe during an emergency situation and not leaving them with scars that might last later on and help them freeze instead of react in an emergency situation? So today, Annette and Dan are here, and I have to tell you, they've both been through something a bit difficult. Just in this last month, we had a fire here in Lafayette and Walnut Creek, and so they had to evacuate. So I'm going to let them tell you the story. Would you kind of describe what happened? Sure. Thank you for having us. So I believe it was on a Sunday and Annette and our oldest daughter, Kate, were at a birthday party in Pleasant Hill. So it was uh, myself and our youngest daughter, Molly, who's currently at Old Firehouse. Kate already graduated from Old Firehouse. And, you know, there were fires around the Bay Area that day. And I should really say there were more in Northern California, a little further north, but it was a really high wind day. And it was, you know, something that everyone was kind of on edge about. And our neighborhood that afternoon was actually planning on having a Halloween parade. It's something they do every year. So we were all getting kind of excited for that. We had plans to get together with a lot of friends. Some families we know from here were planning on coming over as well. So while Annette and Kate were at this birthday party, Molly and I were kind of watching football and getting kind of excited for the afternoon and that parade. We had an, a good friend and his son over because they didn't have electricity at the, at the time because where we live, lucky enough, we had electricity, but they didn't. Right. And they literally wanted to watch the 49er game. <laughs> yeah, and so, then some families didn't have power at this point for like two or three yeah. days. Yeah. We, yeah. Our neighborhood was definitely lucky at that point that we never lost power. Uh-huh. So I think that added to our slight <laughs> denial of what was going on where oh, yeah. everyone around here was dealing a little bit more with being without power for 
four or five days at that point. Right. That's a really good point. And the, our friend that came over who will remain nameless kind of came over disheveled. He doesn't have electricity, I think, or running water for a little, a little bit of time. And he seemed like really relaxed to come over. And we had the football game on. And then all of a sudden, our phone started kind of going off. And it was like, oh, wow, there's something going on. And we look outside and you could start seeing smoke from oh, wow. uh, the other side of the freeway already pretty quickly. And then your phone starts going off where people that live around you or friends that know that you live in that area start asking a lot of questions or checking in on you and you can't really react because there's so many of those texts coming in and you're trying to figure out what's going on so we changed the channel on the football game and put on NBC that was doing a really good job of kind of updating what was going on so most of the coverage was up north with obviously the really tragic fires that were going on there and then very quickly they said a fire's broken out in the East Bay in Lafayette and at that point you can see the smoke you can smell the smoke and you start kind of thinking like wow this is a little closer to home than what we've been used to and so you kind of look around and you make sure your kids are fine. Obviously, we, I only had one kid. My friend had a, his son there and, you know, they're running around like nothing. They don't have any. Equipment. Right. They don't know. And then very quickly, Annette was at the same party with our friend's wife and they start kind of texting us like, what's going on? What's going on? We're hearing stuff now. It escalated very quickly. Mm. It went from, oh, wow, that's there to what do we do if like you got to get out of here? And we've had some bags packed for a few years. Mm -hmm. And obviously, I grew up in the Bay Area, and that did not. The thing you always think of is like how to be prepared for an earthquake. Right. That's the way you're taught as a kid, going to either preschool, or elementary school, or going into high school, you know, the duck and cover, where do you meet, et cetera. And we never had a bag growing up, but I kind of have the sense memory of kind of if there's an emergency, you get your bag and you get out. Right. As things start developing, you go outside and there's 50 mile an hour winds, this thing's whipping around. And then very quickly you realize there's two planes that are flying around the Bay Area that are there to drop the retardant on this fire. And when you start seeing the planes, you realize like they wouldn't have these there in light of those fires further north unless this was really serious. Right. As the planes are flying around, you know, your heart starts being a little faster. You start realizing this thing is a little closer to home than you realize. And then very quickly on the news, they basically say like the other side of Highway 24 from where we live is being evacuated. Then they show the section of the of the of Walnut Creek where we live, and it's like if the winds keep going, you guys are next. Oh wow! At that point, I go to the closet where we have these these bags, and I don't look at them, and I'll tell you why that's interesting in a second. <laughs> uh, but I kind of grab them, and I leave them out. I take off my sandals and put on sneakers. I make sure Molly's got her sneakers on, and then I turn to our friend and I'd be like, and I'm like, we may have to get out of here. And he's like, you have a bag? Like kind of jokingly, <laughs> like he's kind of pleasantly surprised and getting a kick out of it. I'm like, yeah, we have a bag. And then about five minutes later, they come on the news and they're like, if you are in this neighborhood, you most likely are going to get evacuated. Yeah. And so I turn to my friend. I'm like, we're out of here. And like his son's running around. He goes and grabs him. And I grab Molly and I put the bag on. And literally as we're kind of walking quickly, not running because I don't want her to think something's really wrong. Mm -hmm. Literally one of those planes comes like directly over our house. Wow. And so that's kind of a very crystallizing moment for me where it's like, I got to stay calm. I can tell my heart's pounding, but this plane's flying over our house trying to go save this neighborhood, right. basically. And I'm evacuating my home. And so that was kind of a strange moment, to say the least. Yeah. And then at the same point, I'm trying to communicate with Annette, who's at this birthday party about, you know, what do we do? Where should we go? And we've kind of realized very quickly, the smart since this fire is basically separating us at this uh -huh. point, like she should probably stay where she is and I should get out of the house and just kind of head south a little bit. And so we get in the car and I try to stay calm. Obviously, I put on the local radio who's doing a really good job of updating you of what's going on. And that kind of heightens your sensitivity because there's just constantly constant. every minute there's a new piece of information. Right. None of it's very good. Right. And then I take Molly and we start meandering our way to downtown Walnut Creek. And as we're doing that, literally like 
the wind is out of control. It feels like the fire could be right behind us at any point, even though it's not. But just with how quickly the wind's moving, you are, right. you're sensitive to that. And we eventually make our way to, to downtown Walnut Creek. And just I literally sat there in a parking lot and waited for Annette to make her way back from Pleasant Hill because I thought the smartest thing to do is all four of us should be in one car. Yeah. And so probably about an hour later, mm-hmm. we or sorry, Annette met up with us. And at that point, we still didn't know exactly if the fire had been contained. But you knew that the plane had flown over, and the best thing was the four of us all being together. Right. I think that made, yeah. made being us, together being together was yeah. really really important. Um, I think emotionally, you feel like okay, at least we're together. Yeah, yeah. And you know, we have two cars. Her car barely didn't have any gas. Mine had half a tank, so we got into this smaller car that had gas in case we had to drive somewhere really far. And you know, I would say the best things we learned through the process, and I'll let Annette talk about it more than me because she did a lot of the kind of post work to make sure we're prepared for anything that happens now. Next is having a conversation about where you go mm-hmm. and why you go there, and then having a conversation and being prepared around having the right stuff in that to go bag. Yeah. Because what I found very quickly was when Annette opened up that bag, I had taken the wrong one. Oh no! And it had it had none of the stuff that we would actually oh, would have needed. No. It had diapers. Neither, neither of our kids are in diapers anymore. Oh right. Uh, it had clothes that no one would have fit in, and so. We spent the next few days kind of getting that bag in the in the right place. Yeah. But it was not the most traumatic experience in my life, but I think it was definitely a good test case to make sure yeah. you're prepared for what could be something that could be definitely more serious the next time. Yeah. So Annette, what, what was your role? What did you do here? So I was at Chuck E. Cheese when this, <laughs> when this happened with a lot of fellow parents from the area. So there was that moment where everyone's getting the emergency texts on your phone that right. you everyone signs up for, which I would recommend everyone signing up for. I believe there's two different There's like agencies. the AC alert. There's yes. Nixle. Or Nixle. So yeah. I only had Nixle and the people that they seemed to all, all the alerts seem to come at different times yes. at different speeds. So mm-hmm. I would definitely recommend everyone getting on both. And then also I realized that people were getting information quicker off of Twitter than the text oh, messages. Okay. And so I've heard that from multiple people since that uh-huh. they that's where they were learning things faster. Huh. Huh. So now on I mean I don't follow anyone on Twitter except pretty much the Lafayette Fire Department and mm-hmm. Police Department. You can follow all those right. agencies and you can see mm-hmm. that they post things very quickly. So that was a big learning point. We're at Chuck E. Cheese and one thing because of the power being out, we're both on AT&T self service mm-hmm. and that was barely working, if at all. And so luckily, he had a work phone that was, I think, on Verizon. Yeah. And so he was getting service. So that was one. Yeah. I think a big lo- lesson for us was we did not have a pre-planned meeting oh, right. place right. if we were separated. Mm-hmm. And because of that, like we spent a lot of time trying to get a hold of each other, spotty reception, oh, yeah. and also having to kind of have that conversation in front of our kids right. of like, where are you going? We got to meet up versus just knowing like, okay, we got to go and we're going to go to this safe space. Right. So that was a big learning yeah. a lesson. I think him and I needed to have a agreement of where we were going instead of panicking and trying to figure out where that place was. Yeah. And then yes, having the, the you know, go bag. <laughs> yes, I had bought years ago, those pre-packed emergency backpacks that you can get off Amazon and mm-hmm. um, I had consolidated them into you know one pack was all of the things that it comes with 
which is first aid kits, little bags of water, freeze-dried mm-hmm. food, some blankets. And then I had taken the other pack and had our clothes in there. And so ironically, the night before we got evacuated, because of every, everything going on in the news, I decided to update that bag, but I hadn't actually finished the process. So all no. of that stuff was laying everywhere and I had not updated mm. it and also realized we didn't have any cash. We didn't have oh, any yeah. photocopies of passports or you know documents any documents yeah exactly so that was also a big Mm -hmm. learning lesson but I think the biggest thing for me was just trying to I think especially with our six-year-old getting her to be calm about the process she was a little bit more aware of that there were fires in the area she knew that she didn't have power at school and they had smoky days and I think they're especially I think over five years old they're a little bit more aware of it than we give them credit for and so she definitely sensed a little bit more of the panic and so I think if we had been more prepared and more had an agreed spot on it would have been a better situation so how'd you deal with that in the moment with her here We definitely tried to reassure them that everything was okay and we were all together as a family and that, you know, everything was fine and that there were some fires somewhere, but we were just going to go someplace safe where we were away from them. Mm -hmm. I think lying to them at that point or pretending like nothing was happening was kind of, they're smarter than that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Just reassuring them that everything is okay and... You know, I guess we lied and said, we have our emergency bag and everything. we have everything we need. <laughs> we lied about that one thing. Yeah, yeah. We, lied. we did lie about being totally prepared, but we did know that we would be fine right. in the end. So I think just reassuring them that we were all together as a family was the biggest thing. It's a tough thing to be able to get the information in the moment that you need and not have a six-year-old react to it. Yeah. Right. So like yes. having the news on and seeing yes. your neighborhood lit up or having the radio on and then they can yes. talk about Lafayette. So that's a difficult thing to kind of balance, I found. Mm-hmm. And so I think like as parents, you got to kind of synthesize that and take that information and make it digestible to her and keep her feeling comfortable. But also like in that sense, not lying and saying, yeah, there's a fire like over by where you get swim lessons. Right. Um, but look how far away we are from there. Right. Yeah. And like yeah, right. And, and giving context so that she doesn't mm-hmm. think it's around the I think it's also, unfortunately, a a new reality for us and definitely for For them. Molly, our four-year-old, the other day said, is it going to be a smoky day today? As if, like, it's going to be a sunny day or a cloudy day. Like, a smoky day is just, like, another weather day. Yeah. And then when I think about it, like, there's been a a lot of smoky days in the last couple of years where they haven't been able to play outside. So that's a reality that they're going to grow up in. So I don't think it's unfortunately a bad thing to let them know that that will occasionally happen. Right. And I think putting it in context, like you said, that it's not right here Mm -hmm. it's a little bit further away Mm -hmm. but we're all together Mm -hmm. because it is something that they see Mm -hmm. fire and everything's in all capital letters and it just sounds so alarming and they just have no sense of what exactly is going on and for us in order to stay informed i mean we did have the tv on quite a bit and it's 
I mean, they're going to see it at some and point. And all they're seeing is like the, the, vi- the image of the plane flying <clears throat> exactly. over. And right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It looks it looks really scary. Yeah. yeah. Are you seeing any residual things in them now after the fire? Are they talking about it? Processed? I don't think that the actual evacuation affected them. I think mm-hmm. once we got to a safe place and we're all together, they seemed to recover pretty quickly. Uh-huh. But after the fact, we did repack all of our backpacks. I just realized... In the reality, when we did evacuate, I was like, okay, so if we're not going back to our house for a day or two or more, like, we have, what, like, one pair of clothes? Yeah. Like, it's just, like, not enough uh-huh. or just, like, nothing comforting for the kids. Like, right. no, like none of that kind of stuff. So I did pack a much bigger bag. Uh-huh. And then we showed it to the girls where we kept it. And it was like, if there's ever an emer- emergency, we'll just grab these bags and we'll all get in the car together and we'll all be okay. And that seemed to be enough of a reassurance for them. So Alex, how would you say that we're preparing here? I think like most schools, we do a lot of drills. We'll do fire drills. We'll do earthquake drills. We'll do different drills to get the children used to that movement of if Alex is coming around ringing a bell, you are all going to stop what you're doing and walk outside with your teacher. You know, it's going to be okay. And similarly to when we were young, you know, fire drills and earthquake drills were just something that you practiced. But I think we need to practice them. I mean, I know I haven't actually practiced it at home with my children. Mm-hmm. And I think hearing about just going through the motions mm-hmm. helps everyone remember, oh, okay, I know what I'm supposed to do when this happens. And I think it's important to just practice it. And it is something that we don't practice probably as often as we should here at school, just because it is hard to get a bunch of two-year-olds to Mm -hmm. go this way and stop what they're doing. And it's very disruptive. But as we all know, earthquakes and fires and all of that, they will happen whenever. And it's just something to get used to doing. Yeah. So we do practice them, but I think we need to work on just making it a little bit more smooth for everybody. It is something that we talked about recently with all of our teachers too. And everybody actually wants to practice more. And I think that we try and put it, call it names that might not frighten children. Right. So, so when the same thing, like you were saying, Annette, you're trying to be matter of fact with the kids. We're not necessarily calling, we're not trying to make it scary, but we'll say like, oh, we're having an earthquake today, earthquake drill today. And there's actually a book that we use called Rabbits in a Hole, where it talks about these rabbits or these bunnies live in this place where the earth shakes and they have to go hide in their hole and cover their heads. There's this whole story that goes along with it. So when there is an earthquake drill, we say earthquake drill, bunnies in a hole or rabbits in a hole. And they remember what that means. Hmm. Or I think another one of our teachers has done something before of like, be a turtle. And again, there's a graphic that we've practiced with them of like, what does a turtle do when there's something scary? They tuck everything in and they cover their heads and their Mm -hmm. necks. So there's just another word besides earthquake. Like there's, there's turtles or bunnies in a hole. And that helps, again, everybody feel like, oh, this is what I'm supposed to do. It kind of gives them that clue. And we'll talk about walking outside. Sometimes it's like, we're going to parade outside. We're mm-hmm. going to hold on to the rope and we're all going to parade outside. Again, giving other words to it than just focusing so much on the scary thing. We're trying to sound urgent, but not scary to yeah. them where we're panicking. We're not. I think that's the thing. We're not trying to sound panicked. And yeah. that, in an actual emergency, that is very, very hard. Oh, yeah. So I think you have some stories of staff during earthquakes? Well, I think one of the reasons we wanted to talk about this was, I mean, it sounds like 
both of your girls are fine after mm-hmm. the evacuation, what happened. And we're just wondering how we can do this differently or, or just the best way to do it, I guess. Because one of our teachers, Rachel, she lived through the Northridge earthquake down south. And she just remembers that after it happened, as scary as it was for everybody, that she and her sister would play earthquake afterwards mm. while they had next door neighbors who were so petrified and scared by the whole experience that they were the same age, like elementary school age kids, and they slept in their parents' room for a good month after the earthquake. So there's clearly a difference in how parents are having these experiences with children and how panicked they are and how that panic then eventually goes into the children's experiences and what remains. How they Mm -hmm. they process. Right. What remains afterwards and whatever Rachel's family did was it felt safe enough that the girls were able to move on and just like you did, they Mm -hmm. kind of moved on. They talk about it, but they're not, there's not this leftover anxiety necessarily versus some other families that maybe were not as calm in the moment and left weeks of residual stress with their children, which we obviously don't want to do. Yeah. I think having the conversation with your kids about what these different disasters actually are, what a fire is, what an earthquake is, Mm -hmm. is helpful because just like if you're teaching your kids to swim, you want them to have a little bit of a fear of the water. Right. Like, no, everything's going to be okay that you're going to be there to Mm -hmm watch them you're going to teach them how to swim and be safe but it's also not something to just jump into when no one's around to help them and not you know when you don't have the tools so i think if you've never heard of an earthquake and suddenly the ground starts shaking as a kid that would be super traumatizing if you didn't know a fire could happen and it suddenly happens then that would be really scary yeah And I think that you can talk about it in a way where you're not panicking them and you're not making them extra anxious and Mm -hmm. you just have to be careful and kind of read and the different children are going to read differently. Yeah. You know, different children are going to be sensitive to that and you'll have to kind of gauge who your child is and what information they should know. And and there's lots of books that help talk about it. Mm -hmm. And like I said, the bunnies in the whole book that we have, it's such a simple little one and it doesn't harp on how scary the earthquakes are. It just says very matter of factly, they live in a place where the ground shakes. Mm -hmm. And so they have to make sure that they are safe and focus more on what to do versus how scary it can be. Yeah. Well, thank you both for coming. I think we have a lot of tips for parents out there. And I think a lot of people want to hear your story. So thank you very much. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, you, Alex. Okay. And thanks for listening to Old Firehouse School Fireside Chats. Hello, my name is Teddy, and thank you for listening. And I hope you can subscribe for podcasts.